This is Christopher Radiant Fire Radio, and I have a very special guest with me, Richard Capriola. He's the author of The Addicted Child. He has a lot of insights that he's going to share with us today that is going to help you as a parent, a step-parent, meet the needs of your kids. This is part two of The Addicted Child's Parent Guide with Richard Capriola. Enjoy. So how did you get into this topic itself? Um, Well... I started out in education, transitioned over to working in mental health at a crisis center. Wow. And and then uh, uh, I I noticed that a lot of people coming into the crisis center had both a mental health and a substance abuse issue. So I went back to uh, get some education and training on uh, substance abuse and then uh, was offered a position at Menninger Clinic in Houston, Texas, which is a large psychiatric hospital where oh, wow. I worked, worked for over a decade um, uh, with both adults and adolescents who have both a mental health and a substance abuse issue. And I met with lots of parents during that time. And, and um, I, I wanted, after I left Menninger, I wanted to provide a brief resource that would give them the basic information in a very short, concise book that they could read uh, and, and, and walk away from thinking that, you know, they understand this topic a little better. They're not as afraid of it as maybe they were before. And if they're confronted with it, they feel better prepared and more confident to deal with it. Yeah, these, these are things that I, I believe that people really need to start talking about even more. Um, I know, and this is kind of like a little bit of a side road, when we were, when President Trump was in, he was trying to get the borders closed to stop the trafficking of the illegal substances, you know, coming into the country. But his main thing was, you know, this is affecting you know, your families. This is this is stopping them from being able to have productive lives. Do you see, um, you know, is there still that same drive, that same force to try to deal with the the substance abuses from a governmental level? Not not even so much on the president presidential level, but like on the local level with your your governors and your uh, your your mayors and things like that. Are they supportive? I, I don't see a lot of initiative in the local or state level to, to address this issue. Um, I'm beginning to see uh, under the new administration, I, we are beginning to see some, uh, some changes in terms of, of people being appointed that are more of an advocate towards addressing this issue. Um, and I think that we may be able to see a, a little little more emphasis on really addressing this issue. Um, and I noticed that over the over the pandemic years, I think the number of opiate overdose deaths has hit an all-time record. Can so, you believe that? I mean, uh, yeah, I can believe it because of uh, because of the effect of the pandemic on people, and um, and the fact that this opiate crisis has been building up over years, um, and now it's gotten to the point where it's just gotten totally out of hand. So I'm very hopeful that at least on the federal level now that we see the seriousness of this, that there'll be a stronger emphasis on doing something both in terms of prevention, in terms of, of, of helping these people, and in terms of education. I remember um, Governor Carney from the state of Delaware, he was talking about 
you know, not closing the liquor stores down because of the effects that it yeah. have upon people. And a lot of people were upset, you know, that he that he made that statement. But it really was a very smart decision because of, you know, people going through withdrawal, then having to put them in the hospital to, to go through these withdrawal symptoms. Yeah. You know, when you look at a teenager who's not supposed to technically be buying alcohol, someone is supplying it to them. This becomes even more complicated because now everyone's at home. You know, everyone has been at home this last year and a half, so to speak, with COVID, those who weren't essential personnel. Have you seen any, um, like, things, you know, behaviors that, you know, that the parents wouldn't necessarily see? Yeah, I think I think what we're beginning to see um, is the effect of the pandemic that it's had not only on adolescents but adults as well. Mm. The Center for Disease Control has already reported that since the pandemic uh, started well over a year ago, there's been a rather dramatic increase in the in the number of emergency room visits by grade school children and wow. there's been, and there's been an increase in the number of teenagers who have uh, been in need of some type of mental health care so i think we're just beginning to see some of the mental health effects that this pandemic has had on our children wow. um, and as they transition back into school i think that for some kids not all kids but for some kids that might be a difficult adjustment getting back into the so called regular school system and the classrooms and everything that goes with it that that might be difficult for some kids now there's going to be an anxiety level with going back you know yes. the, the fears associated with am i going to catch covid from someone yeah. else or right you know yeah. yeah where before you were kind of isolated now it's 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 there yeah, I think that's I think that's going to be another concern, at least initially on until kids get back into the school school system, back into the classrooms, and they begin to feel a little bit more comfortable with with what's going on. So, walk me through the addicted child parents guide. Well, I wrote this book uh, to be a resource for parents, a, a quick resource for parents so that they would have the information and hopefully um, be better prepared for this, not be as frightened about it. Uh, knowledge is power. So the more that they know about this, perhaps less frightening it will be for them um, and, and they'll feel better prepared. So in this book, I have a brief review of the street drugs that are out there. So as many parents really? don't, don't know about a lot of these drugs, they know about alcohol and marijuana, but they may not know about some of the other drugs that are out there on the street. What are uh, some of the newest drugs? Well, uh, kids are still gravitating towards marijuana and alcohol. Those are still the two primary drugs. But, but Is it because of price? Um, I think it's because of availability. Uh, you know, alcohol and marijuana are readily available to these kids. Um, there is some use of, of the more hardcore drugs like LSD and cocaine and Oxycontin, some prescription drug abuse like Ritalin and Adderall, but those are low percentages in comparison to the number of kids that are drinking alcohol or using marijuana. But, but what we have noticed in the last few years is a dramatic increase in the adolescent population of what's called vaping, which is where they will take a, an instrument. Really? 
Uh -huh. And they'll use either uh, uh, marijuana or nicotine, and they'll turn it into a vapor and inhale it. Then the percentages of adolescents who are vaping uh, nicotine and marijuana in the last three years has grown dramatically. It's starting to stabilize a little bit, but compared to two or three years ago, the percentages of kids vaping uh, those substances has increased dramatically. Wow. So in my book, um, I, I give warning signs for parents because one of the reasons I think parents sometimes feel so bad when they find out their kid is using a substance, they, they say, well, how did I miss the warning signs? Well, they missed the warning signs because nobody told them what the warning signs were to look for. Yeah. Uh, so in my book, I have warning signs on alcohol use. I have warning signs on marijuana use. I have warning signs for a child that might be eating, uh, developing an eating disorder or might be self-harming themselves because sometimes, not always, but sometimes they will accompany a child's use of, of alcohol or drugs or, or, or like marijuana. Uh, so I have warning signs in there that every parent should be at least familiar with. Um, I have the assessments and the tests that a parent should get if they suspect their child is using a substance, what test should they get done so that they can get a diagnosis? I have... Uh, now, would this be from their primary care doctor or would they have to seek out a mental health professional? Um, the type, it depends on the type of test. For example, I recommend an addictions assessment so that you get an assessment on what your child has been using in a diagnosis. That could come from an addictions counselor. It could come from a psychologist. It could come from a psychiatrist. It could come from a social worker. So a number of these professionals are, are able to do some of these assessments. Now, when you get to the more detailed assessments, like a psychological assessment or a neuropsychological assessment to establish if there's some underlying mental health issue, that will fall in the, in the, in the realm of a psychologist or a, or a psychiatrist or, or, or maybe a social worker now can you talk about this a little bit how do you get the child's buy-in on participating in these tests because if they're hiding it and you don't you don't have their their full support can that skew the tests that are being done? You know, no, it's not going to skew the test because the professionals that are doing the assessments, they know how to deal with a child that is oppositional or reluctant. And, okay. and many of these tests are standardized tests uh, so that the, the, the child's not going to be able to, uh, to get around it. I think what parents will face is a child that's just oppositional, doesn't want to go into the testing, is uh -huh. refusing to do it. Um, very few children are going to willingly want to go in and get these assessments done. And parents are used to kids telling them no. You right. know, every right. parent has confronted a child and they've told them they want them to do something and the kid has said, no, I'm not want to do it. So, <laughs> so parents are aware of, of how to deal with this. The, the message I think that's important is if you're concerned that your child is using a substance, you need to get that child assessed regardless of whether they want to do it or not because you need to have that information so that you know how serious it is and you know what the options are for you in terms of what the next step should be and, and what treatment is is best recommended is um you know for for this part of the process is it necessary to have them uh, like put in a home put in in inpatient treatment or is is all of this done outpatient 
most of the assessment can be done on an outpatient basis. Um, you know, the, if, if it's a really serious uh, situation, the child may require being admitted into a, a facility so that the assessment can be done and the child can be kept safe. But I would say that in, 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 in many cases, these assessments can be done on an outpatient basis. Thanks for listening to part two of the Addicted Child's Parent Guide with Richard Capriola. Make sure you come back next week for part three. We are committed to excellence and truth. We're committed to bringing the whole gospel to you as we go forth in this endeavor in this hour. We pray that God would be with you. His prophetic mantle and his prophetic anointing would be upon your life. Please feel free to contact us at any time with questions, comments, or concerns. You can reach us at Christopher at RadiantFire.org. Like us on Facebook, Radiant Fire Radio Ministries. And you can subscribe to our YouTube page, Radiant Fire Radio Ministries, on YouTube.